Coming up on today's Locked On NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes once dominant grasp at first place in the Metropolitan is being challenged, both with a recession of them and a step up for the New Jersey Devils. We'll get into the races, both divisionally and wildcard. Plus, how is Ryan Reynolds setting himself up to buy the Ottawa Senators? This is the Locked On NHL podcast, and it's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more and visit the official sportsbook of Locked On at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. This is the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen on this Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators, joined by David Morissuti of Locked On Maple Leafs. Every Wednesday on the Locked On NHL Network, we provide you with Eastern Conference analysis, the highs, the lows, and in this case, David, the injuries as well. Yeah, a very, very brutal time for the Carolina Hurricanes to not only potentially be in a position to lose their first place in the Metro Division, but losing arguably their best goal scorer for the remainder of the season in Andre Svechnikov. And he had been playing well all season long, but as his absence left, so did the goal scoring ability of the Carolina Hurricanes. They were shut out in back-to-back games and It hasn't gone very well for them since their five-game win streak out of the All-Star break. Since that point, they're at 500, which if you're a team maybe out of it or in the Boston Bruins case, just cruising like 15, 20 points ahead in the standings, that's one thing. But for Carolina, their lead has disintegrated to two points, although they do have a game in hand over the Devils because New Jersey, on the other hand, is just racking up win after win after win since Timo Meyer came to town. And that's kind of the link I want to tie between these two situations because Svechnikov, and by the way, it's a torn ACL, right? I knew it was a knee injury. Torn ACL. A brutal injury. So there's no chance that he even makes it back for the playoffs. He is done for the season. We wish him all the best. But don't you think now Don Waddell, the GM of the Canes, might be thinking, oh, did it really cost too much for Timo Meyer?" Because what was the cost of not acquiring him to be the immediate replacement? They're already without Max Pacioretty, but they knew that after his brief return from offseason Achilles injury. But do you think that would be a second-guessing situation right now with Timo Meyer doing as well as he's doing with a great team in the Devils? Definitely. I definitely think that. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes have always been known as a Stanley Cup contender. Everybody says they're the team. There's a lot of a lot of media members picked them to go and win the Cup. They, there's pressure on this team to get to that Stanley Cup final for all this talk about how good of a team they are. They've never been able to get to that, you know, get to the final. And Timo Meyer going to get him would have been the no-brainer decision for that team. And, you know, it's not like the Carolina Hurricanes didn't have assets to go and get Timo Meyer. They have an abundance of draft picks. They have their own first-round pick. They kept that for the next few years. They have a bunch of picks later in the draft as well. I'm sure they could have also made some deals with, uh, you know, with some of their prospects and you know, the abundance of goaltenders that they have in the system as well. Like they did have the assets to go and get a Timo Meyer. And if you look at what the New Jersey Devils gave up to acquire him, 
it, I felt like the, it was a no-brainer for Carolina to go and do it, especially with Pacioretty's contract off the books. And then, obviously, you don't plan on losing a Sveshnikov for the rest of the year, but you know injuries are going to happen. You never know when you're going to when something like that's going to go down. And I feel like they just never planned. They just weren't willing to go all in. I don't know why that was the case. The Hurricanes are near the top of the league when you look at their prospect standings. They've hit on so many what seems to be mid-round picks that all of a sudden shoot up the prospect rankings once they're already picked. And you can check out Locked on NHL Prospects for more on that sort of thing. But if the Devils' hesitation to, to making, or sorry, if, um, if the Carolina Hurricanes' hesitation to making that deal was Martin Nekash, maybe that's where I start to understand a little bit because then you're losing some offensive weaponry at the same time. However, the package that ultimately went there from the Devils was all futures. It's not like like Andreas Janssen was kind of the, the biggest guy who can affect the lineup right now, maybe v- Fabian Zetterlin, but those aren't guys who move the needle like a Dawson Mercer was. So it's not like like I would compare Dawson Mercer to Martin Nekash in terms of productivity this year, although the heater that, that uh, Dawson Mercer's on right now, Good Newfoundlander, 11 goals and 20 points on a 12-game stretch um, since about February 10th, 15th, right after the All-Star break. But what ultimately ended up being the package, you wonder if Carolina thinks, man, we really could have matched that, maybe even thrown in a little extra sweetener. Now, Timo Meyer, he's not the biggest difference maker right now for, for the Devils. Just one goal and one assist in six games since coming over. But you know everyone else just plays a little more confident when their team said, you know what, we have faith in you guys. We're going to give you another weapon at the deadline. Go out and play your best. But you look at uh, their leading score. It's a three-way tie between Dawson Mercer, Jack Hughes, and Eric Howla, who has a three goals and three assists in seven games. But it just seems like there's there's been no poor performances. Everyone's doing their part. And that's a great sign because I, I saw them as a team. And who knows? It might still be the Rangers. But I had the Rangers as the heavy favorite. But, David, that's a team going in the other direction and not really being able to string many wins together. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers went and made the flashier deals going in the Tarasenko's and the Kane uh, of the world. But when I look at what the Devils and the Devils have always been a good team this year. They just added just that little bit more that, you know, this they went almost steroid mode just to go and added Timo Meyer, who brings a different aspect to what they have. You know, they're all about the ski, the, the skill, the speed, the flash with uh, some of their younger forwards. Timo Meyer brings that different element. When you look at the Rangers, I, I always say this: the uh, the success of the Rangers will always depend on their goaltender, right? You know, they have so, so many good pieces up front and on the back end. They're a pretty tough team to go up against. Shesterkin is going to be the guy that kind of stirs the drink for that Rangers team. But yeah, no, the Devils have certainly responded much better than a lot of the other teams since that trade deadline, and it's hard not to see why. Nobody expect I didn't expect them to go and get Timo Meyer. Even at the start, like even when they were on their heater, I didn't see them as a team that was going to go aggressive at the deadline. I credit uh, what they've done there because they realize, you know what, our young guys are just proving that they're able to take that next step. Let's go and get them every chance to just build on that experience. And the New York Rangers now eight points behind the New Jersey Devils. However, tinfoil hat. It, is it a race to third, David? Like the the Devils and Rangers both have much better records on the road than at home this year. The Devils are twenty five four and four away from their home building, nineteen thirteen and two 
when they do play at home. So I'm not sure what kind of uh, witchcraft that is, but it is interesting to note. And if they do get first place, they'll have it all the way through till the Eastern Conference Finals, where it feels like Boston's on a crash course to clinch uh, the President's Trophy by... I don't know, next week. They've already clinched a playoff spot. The first team in the NHL to do that. They're 50, 11, and 5 on the season through 66 games. And also, we'll save this for Tuesdays, which is when you get your Western Conference dose of Locked On NHL. But the San Jose Sharks, the first team eliminated from the NHL playoffs, mathematically, yesterday, and Locked On Sharks host, J.D. Young, already well on his way to draft season. I don't know if you saw, we're talking about Timo Meyer. He has a Timo Meyer jersey, number 28. He's at home with tape, turned it into 98, and he's got the taped over Bedard uh, nameplate on there. You got to embrace the tank as much as possible. So those are always, uh, it's, it's always funny to see that. Uh, but yeah, no, the shark, there's teams that are certainly understand what it means to embrace the tank. And I, I love the fact that JD is all in on that right now. Fun tank game last night between the Sharks and Columbus Blue Jackets. 7-6 in overtime. Columbus hanging on to that last placed team in the NHL. Actually, yeah, 49 points. So that was huge because the Sharks are second last at 51. So that's that's about as good as it gets from the bottom of the standings. Check out Locked On Blue Jackets and Jay Forster for more on the Blue Jackets. Local experts on the biggest stories. That's the Locked On NHL way. We've got teams and shows for every single squad in the NHL. So you want to learn more about the draft? Go check out some of the bottom-feeding teams and their shows. And if you're gearing up for playoffs that start on April 17th, you know that Locked On Leafs, Locked On Lightning, and Locked On Bruins in the Atlantic, Locked on Rangers, Locked on Devils, and Locked on Hurricanes have you covered for that. 35 different shows. Amazing stuff. Next, we'll tell you what else we learned from Gary Bettman's networking conversation, conference, I should say, um, today where he discussed the future of the Ottawa Senators. Is there going to be changes to the playoff format? And we're going back to Canada Day for free agency in the NHL. All that's coming up. You're listening to Locked on NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We love the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and for NHL, the races are heating up. FanDuel Sportsbook is the home of the first of five. Dave, do you like the first of five? I love it, where you just do which team gets to five shots first. Oh, it's great. It's You know what? Because when you're trying to do goals in, the, in the hockey, is so tough. Uh, I know in basketball, getting the five points, that's another good one there. But five shots, especially if one team just manages to like totally obliterate the other one and gets all five shots and then the other team hasn't even recorded a shot. It's always, uh, it's always a fun time, especially if you bet the winner. It's like uh, the equivalent of betting first bucket in a basketball game. Like, come on, leave it to a little less luck than that. But go check out the road to five on FanDuel Sportsbook. Plus, FanDuel even lets you do same-game parlays, chance at bigger payouts. So don't miss your chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
just to come on Locked On NHL, your team every day. Every Wednesday, it's Eastern Conference edition of the show. On Thursdays, we got power rankings, so stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NHL on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast platform. And if you want to hear more from David, go check out Locked On Leafs, and you can check out Locked On Senators as well. It's the Battle of Ontario edition, and David, we have a Battle of Ontario this weekend, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a little while. I know the yeah. last the yeah. last time that the Leafs and Senators went against each other, uh, the Senators. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. They took it to the Leafs. I'm, yeah. I wasn't too happy with that effort from Toronto, but uh, might be a little different this time around. I'm just hoping. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say I can't wait to see Matt Murray in warm up for the third time this year. He's yet to play a game against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you know what? It's funny because I have. Uh, he's actually played the last few games to the Leafs, and that's been the biggest joke. Is we won't know for sure who's starting in that until we get through warm up and get to the national anthem. Wow! It's twice this year against Ottawa, though, where he thought he was ready and wasn't able to make it work. But we've seen that story before. Four goals against in each of his last five starts, dude. Did I hear that? Yes. Um, I wouldn't say that they've all been his fault. There's been a lot of suspect defense played in front of him. Especially the last, you know, uh, two of the last three starts. So yeah, you know, you wanted your goaltender to not allow four goals in the game. One of them, the Leafs did score seven, so it didn't. You know, one of them didn't matter too much. But I say the other two games, the defense in front of Matt Murray wasn't exactly perfect. And you know what? He is still getting back from being off over a month and a half. So it's going to take him some time to get get himself back into the fold. But yeah. I, I hope uh, I hope Matt Murray is on you know going to be trending down in terms of allowing the goals in the net for sure. Yeah, well, the Senators team is having the same problem right now, man. They've allowed five or more goals in each of the last three games, and on a five-game road trip, they allowed a total of twenty-five goals, average of five per game. Absolutely brutal. Even in their win, uh, David, they won five-four, and in that game, they gave up four unanswered goals. Oof but we're able to battle back uh, tough times. Although um, yeah, the road doesn't get any easier. We'll be looking forward to that battle of Ontario as we always do this upcoming weekend on the show next week. We'll, we'll get into that as well, but let's get into Gary Bettman's conversation today. And the first question I want to ask you, are you happy with July 1st being free agency? We know that this year the draft is right before, but whether the drafts on like June 15th, June 28th, as it is this year, it's always July 1st, the opening of free agency. Some love it, some hate it, because up in Canada, where I think a lot of our listeners are, both of us are Canadians, we, we, we're used to being in the backyard barbecue, you know, you're hanging out, you're having a great time, and it's such a great conversation starter when you look at your phone and player X signed with Team Z, right? So are you, are you a fan of that, or would you rather, like our Americans, they have their holiday a couple days after the big free agency frenzy? Yeah, I mean, not having it on candidate this uh, past, you know, in the last edition, I, I like the change. Personally, I like the change just because as somebody who works in the sport, on, on usually works on free agency day, I don't mind the fact that I get the holiday and then there's free agency. I get that little bit of that separation there. Uh, I know that the networks also like the ability to have the full day of everybody's moments uh, kind of captured. But I, I do think if you ask anybody that works on free agency day, they would prefer to stay away from Canada. Day. They get to enjoy Canada Day and then kind of refresh and be ready to go for uh, free agency. So if the NHL decided, yeah, we can, we can move it. Um, I do think that a lot of the networks do though push because they know people are off 
during the day, they're going to tune in because, you know, if you're like, if you're, if you're a Leafs fan, you remember July 1st, uh, when John Tavares signed, you got to celebrate with some fireworks a little later in the day afterwards. So there was a little bit of that bonus too, uh, with that. Yeah. I think if, if you're just a, a hockey fan through and through and you don't work in the media, it's so it's cool. Like it's conversation yeah. starter. It's a, it's a thought stirrer. Like this player goes there. You're like, how'd they fit in? What's going on? I got to go. Oh, my my cousin Larry's a huge fan of that team. I got to go find him at the cookout. I got to go bust his nuts about it and, and have just uh, a lot of good conversation. Good banter comes from that. So let us know in the comments. I'm curious what people think, whether or not they, they enjoy having the holidays coincide. Because, yes, free agency, basically a holiday up here in Canada. I always love having... Um, De- development camp too because it's right after the draft and when those coincide it's always funny because you know you, your gm's talking about the prospects one minute and then next minute he's on the phone with 10 agents trying to get something done to make the team better going into next season what else stood out to you from gary bettman's uh, press conference we know playoffs won't change as well yeah i wasn't surprised to hear him say that i mean the nhl is not really big on making those changes uh they feel like it, there's nothing wrong with the way that the playoff format's done Personally, I've always disagreed with that. I didn't. I know why they're doing it. I think part of the reason is travel. They're able to keep teams within their you know geographical zones a little bit longer before they have to go and travel and all those things. I I don't think that's ever really been talked about that much. But on top of that, uh, for me personally, when I look at the Atlantic Division, the Atlantic Division has been set since November. There has been no desire to really follow that much when it comes to the Atlantic division when everything is set team like fans kind of all right when's when when do we get to see the Leafs and lightning like we already knew that matchup in november like i don't know how i know that in you know in the metropolitan division there's a little more excitement in that regard i just think the one va format at least allows for a little more entertainment to have different idea of who could potentially be the opponent in the first round I just don't like that of the fact that under this format, in some cases, November, yeah, it's already set in stone. You're just going to be pretty much on like cruise control for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of looking at it. I don't mind the divisional aspect. You're going to play a good team in the playoffs no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me too much. I just want to see the playoffs again and you know, <laughs> format be damned. <laughs> but uh, no, it's great hockey. And I get it if you're having such a great season, like the Devils. They had a 17-game win streak, and now they're on their way to another great stretch. And it's like, wait, we might we might get stuck playing a real good team here in the first round if it is the Rangers at the end of the day. Or, I mean, out West, and we'll see how this all shakes out. We'll save it to the Western Conference, but like, there's still a chance that the Oilers are a wild card team. You got to play Connor McDavid. You work so hard all season, and you get to play Connor McDavid in the first round. That's your treat. So I don't know. There's a good matchups all over the place. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see how how the majority fare. I don't think people are super upset about it. Like the quality of of what the level of hockey we see is the key. And I think it's hot. The game's in a great place. Last year's playoffs was was electric, and I think we're going to see another great spring this year for the NHL, especially with all the player movement, a lot of players going from sellers to buyers. And um, in that case, strengthening the pool of talent for the, uh, for the NHL. But dude, miss me with the expansion talk. We don't need to water down the league. 30, 14, no chance. The, the league can barely get the salary cap to go over a million dollars. You're going to try to, add, I know under adding teams will bring in more money, more revenue, but you also have teams that can barely scratch and claw to get to the salary cap floor. Like, 
the, spare me the idea that you need to expand right now. I know a lot of people want to talk about that expansion can mean more, you know, more jobs for players and all those things. I get that. But when you look at the NHL's barely been able to get the salary cap to go up because revenues are still trying to catch up from the COVID pandemic and the escrow from players. I, yeah, I I'm okay with it waiting. If they want to do relocation, that's fine by me. If some of these teams that aren't really getting the, you know, the revenue down, and if uh, a, another market really wants it and wants to pay that relocation fee, because we know that uh, Winnipeg had to do it for Atlanta, I'm okay with that too. But I understand, yes, expansion brings in good money for the league, but it takes time for that all to – like it's not like um, let's say Houston wants to come in. It's not like Houston comes in and then boom, the salary cap's going to go up $10 million for that season. It takes a while for those payments to come in, for that revenue to come in. So, yeah, let the let the rest of the league kind of catch up with the revenue before we talk about expansion. Yeah, I mean, and the, the pool of talent too, right? Like, I don't need, need more third liners. We need stars playing with stars yeah. to an extent so that they can iron sharp, sharpen iron type thing. We've heard Atlanta, like, no, you don't need a third try in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Quebec City. If a team goes to Atlanta before Quebec City, I'm going to be real mad. Like, even just, like, the backdrop, like, Quebec City is – for my money, the most beautiful place in Canada. They have a rink. They have they have a nicer rink than most NHL teams do. Their Quebec Pee Wee tournament sells out a seventeen thousand seat arena to watch thirteen year olds play hockey from all around the world. With the right ownership, hockey would thrive there. Yes, it definitely will. You have a history in that city as well that actually did quite well. Before I obviously know, yes, they relocated to Colorado. At least relocated to a market that's thriving and doing well, and it made sense. But yeah, I don't see how Quebec is less deserving than yeah in Atlanta per se. Have you ever been to Quebec City? I have. Beautiful. It's been it's been a little while. I haven't been like I was there young when I was younger. But oh yeah, it's a beautiful city. A lot of history. It's like a nine hour drive from Toronto. Oh yeah, I I went there. I went there actually first, and then I went to Montreal my way back. I've been to Montreal obviously more than I than I do to Quebec, but yeah, it's definitely definitely time for me to go back to Quebec. And I speak French too, so it's not like I can't get by in Quebec either. Hundred percent, man. I would recommend going around Thanksgiving because they have like in in Ottawa is is up there too, where like the the colors are unbelievable. Yeah. But when you go all the way up to like the Charlevoix, the Quebec City area, man. That is that's God's country out there for sure. So that's a little tourist portion of Locked On NHL. Coming up on the other side, who are the tourists and who are here to stay in the wild card race? That's all coming up. You're listening to Locked On NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat or the calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We're just through the holidays. I mean, I'm still catching up on my workout schedule, but I know that when I eat Built Bars after my workout, I am putting very good nutrition into my body, but it doesn't taste like it. It tastes so good. Why? Well, for starters, these are all 100% covered in real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. And you don't have to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about how you can order your Built Bars at Built.com, but now... You can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk up to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Go check them out. BuiltBarBuilt.com. Built.com. They've been with us forever, so go get yours now. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes 
like a candy bar. All right, David. Exciting times over at Locked On Senators. I won't bog you with too many details, but when we're talking about Gary Bettman, we have to discuss everything he said of note. And something that perked my ear off up was, of course, the pending sale of the Ottawa Senators. Sportico reporting that nine bids were entered, some north of $900 million. Now on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, Elliot Friedman was saying how much of that is attached to the real estate venture that this ultimately is for the new ownership and getting a new arena either downtown at LeBreton Flats, which is maybe the most valuable undeveloped real estate in our country right at the foot of Parliament Hill, or another location that's not 45 minutes without traffic to get to from downtown Ottawa. But he said that we should know the next owner of the Ottawa Senators in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if you're a finance guy, David, But usually when you're about to make an enormous purchase like that, you have to become liquid and maybe sell off some assets. And we just saw maybe the most notable, most popular figure in this whole conversation, this whole story that's been drawn out through the entire year, just free up about $200 million in assets. Yeah, I did see the Ryan Reynolds did sell his uh, mobile company, uh, Mint Mobile, for quite a lot, quite a bit of money. And he sold it to T-Mobile. So it's, yeah. And it's not just the, the, the money he's going to get. I think 25% of that is cash, and then a lot of that other is going to be in stock. So T-Mobile stock, I, I think, is pretty sturdy. Yeah, I, I kind of would assume that, considering where technology is going these days. So, okay. uh, yeah, and we're looking at where uh, Ryan Reynolds started with this company to what he's done now, and what he did a few years ago, I don't know if you noticed, he did sell his gin company for like $650 million, this guy's got money, and we know he's he loves to own some sports teams. You know, obviously Wrexham, and then we hear his uh, desire to get the Ottawa Senators a try. If I'm the NHL, my my, I, I, you know, Gary Batman with the whole you know Doctor Evil going to his uh, mouth there, I, I would I would assume that his his eyes started watering a little bit seeing that. Yes, no question. Now, also seeing that they're keeping Ryan Reynolds on as a spokesperson, so. Get your money, Ryan. He's selling it, but then staying on. They got to pay him to be the spokesperson or else that was a nice little hefty bonus in in the final payment. So, hey, good on him becoming liquid. It sounds like he is partnered. Well, we know it's it's confirmed that he's with what's called the Remington Group. It's a Southern Ontario-based realtor who, of course, has a ton of interest in the real estate portion of this venture. And don't be surprised if Daniel Alfredson is named uh, president of hockey operations which with whichever group does become in power like if you're a sense fan you're salivating at the thought of ryan reynolds with we know what he does on social media but making this like a global brand not only that but have you ever seen the welcome to Wrexham show oh yeah i've watched it i'm almost gonna be done it for a second time i love it that much i wipe a tear out as i say imagine a global welcome to ottawa come on buddy come on i need that like i need air to breathe but if you can combine that with a downtown arena and like the process behind the scenes of, of filming what that's all going to accomplish. And then bringing in a legend who was shunned by the old owner, bringing him in to make all the hockey decisions. Yeah, it would be a no brainer for that, for that market. I know that seeing what Eugene, like I get, you give Eugene Mallon credit when he was, uh, when he, he was here, 
he bought the team for a hundred million dollars. He's about to sell it for like eight fifty, nine hundred. Yeah. Like that's his family is going to do quite well with that. I know he did his best to make sure that team stayed in Ottawa and all those things. Um, but yeah, I know that market needs to take that next step. I know uh, getting that arena situation figured out has been the number one. And then obviously getting their ducks in a row with how uh, the hockey operations is run, especially a team that's on the up, right? That's This is a perfect time if you're an owner right now to go into the Senators and try to capitalize on maybe some of this uh, revival of that market. Yes, well said. And bringing that into the playoff picture, the Senators' road for meaningful games might have come to a streaking halt on the weekend, but it was an out-of-town scoreboard that saw loss after loss after loss on Tuesday night. The Penguins lose, the Islanders lose, the Red Wings lose, the Capitals lose, the uh, the Sabres lost to, or sorry, came back and beat the Leafs the other night, but they they haven't been winning recently, and it just seems on and on and on. It's just the Florida Panthers that, uh, that seemed to be chugging along. Even the, they had an overtime loss in their last game to Winnipeg, or if, if not, then they're at back-to-back overtime losses because I know they lost to them on, in overtime on Saturday over the weekend. But uh, interesting times here with the, uh, with the wildcard race in the Eastern Conference because every week we have a new challenger. Like Pittsburgh and the Islanders have been holding down the spots for the majority of 2023. I think there was one day where the Sabres snuck into it, yeah. but right away they went back. So it's been those two teams – but each week we have a new team that's the up and coming, like the hot ticket of the week who might, are they going to catch them? Like David, are these the eight teams that are going to make the playoffs? Like, is this all for nothing? All these little leapfrogs we see between three and six in the wildcard race. Or do you seriously think that one of Florida, Buffalo, Washington, Ottawa, even Detroit, I think is where you have to draw the line seven points out with, with one game in hand, but like, could any of these teams really go in and, and make some noise? Well, it all depends on if they can capitalize on a team like the Anders who just, uh, they have these games in hand. And like, if you're, if you're Florida and Buffalo, you have to think if we can just stay within, within reach. And, you know, I don't know if there's any games head to head with any of those teams coming up, but you got to catch that. The, the Islanders have lost the last two games. Those are those are the opportunities for the for the Sabers for the for the Panthers to really make that push. I think Pittsburgh might be uh, if you're looking at any of those teams, they might be the most safe, just because they've been able to keep themselves. I mean, seven two and one in the last ten, they're definitely keeping themselves, uh, you know, out of that danger zone. I think the Islanders are in that danger zone right now. They're treading water, and if I'm Florida and Buffalo, you got to be smelling uh, blood in the water right there. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, a lot of their games left are against teams that have no impact in this race. They play Ottawa once. They play... No, that's it. And nothing nothing else in their schedule. They've got the Rangers twice. They've got Colorado, Dallas, uh, Detroit twice, Boston. Like None of these teams are really in the race anymore. So that's a curious wrinkle to this because they lost in regulation to the Montreal Canadiens yesterday and we're seeing teams play spoiler hell ottawa just lost to three teams who are in spoiler mode right now or two of them i should say calgary might internally still think there's a chance even though there isn't but like vancouver and and chicago but in chicago's handing everyone losses like they just beat boston last night so um it's it's such a curious time of year but uh pittsburgh certainly in a case to control their own destiny whereas the islanders i think you're looking at a little bit more like are they the team who could be 
on the outside looking in when all is said and done because they've had some great great stretches, but they've also had some stretches where you wonder if they can really sustain any sort of offensive pressure. Only three goals scored in their last two games now, and they better win their next two. Let's put it that way. They're at Anaheim, at San Jose. Okay, like their schedule is probably the easiest of these teams. Like they've got Columbus as well left over, and they've got Montreal, and they're playing a lot of those bottom feeders uh, throughout the rest of their their season. But they also have Tampa twice and a couple other matchups. So uh, I'm fascinated to see it. But as each game in hand dissipates, I'm starting to just like throw in the towel and be like, you know what? There's too many three point games. At the end of the day, I really think we are just going to see the Islanders in in the eight seed take on Boston in round one. And Pittsburgh is going to going to find a way to play whoever wins the Metropolitan as well. And that's a shame. I think it would be more fun if like the Cinderella story were to to finish up, whether it's Florida or one of the other teams we mentioned get in there. But uh, yeah, I'm starting to because last night's a perfect example, David, where both teams in the wild card rate uh, positions lost in regulation. Like that was their chance, but none of the other teams can take advantage of those nights and make up the ground. It just seems like we're stuck at four to eight points. Yeah. And, and this is always a tough part when you're trying to make that push for the playoffs, even like let's say in Ottawa, some people say, Oh, it's only a six point difference, but look how many teams you have to leapfrog. Look how many teams that if they would go on a two or three game win streak, it's like, well, we made up zero ground. Well, no kidding. There's those teams. Those teams have already have a ten minute head start in a race, right? So that's going to be the tough part for a lot of those teams. I think that they're in it, but they got a. It's a lot of it's depending on what other teams are doing. I remember well back uh, when the Leafs were trying to get into the sneak into the playoffs on the last day of the season. They needed the New Jersey Devils to to beat the New York Islanders, and they lost in the shootout. I just remember that because it just reminds me that as good as any team can do to give themselves a, a chance to get into the playoffs, it means nothing when other teams determine your fate as well. Yeah, fair, fair to say, fair to say. So, are you still in, you're still in the side or in the camp that there are a real possibility? There is a real possibility that these teams could be in. There's, I, I think there is, but I think we're going to see within the next couple weeks. I think we're going to see some real true movement here if uh, there's going to be any. How much rest do you think is going to go on the last week of the season? I think there's going to be. I, I mean, if you're a, a team that's comfortable and feels you're comfortable, if you're a team with a lot of veterans and have that ability to you know give them some rest, I think you're going to see it. But some of these other teams, I don't think they're just, they're not going to have that luxury. They're going to have to make sure that they're as comfortable as possible going into that final week. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious because if the trade deadline was any indication, like teams are getting more and more comfortable with going the route of the NBA where it's like, Hey, just take some time off now, different re- trade related reasons. I get it's different. You're protecting an asset, but is it that different? Cause you want to protect that same asset for playoffs when the mat, when the games matter more and you want them to be as fresh as possible. So I think that's a great conversation, David, and, and something that we can pick up on as that gets close. So really appreciate you joining us. And uh, for everyone, you can go follow David on Twitter, D underscore Morasuti, and he's available on locked on Leafs five days a week. Do you have any final thoughts on today's show, my man? Oh, was, I mean, obviously, great show. And uh, I is the funny thing is, as much as the Leafs playoff position is cemented, I'm definitely keeping an eye on what all these other teams are doing because, you know, as everyone's saying, Boston has everyone expects Boston to go right to the Stanley Cup final. Hey, in the in the in the playoffs, you get a team that's on a hot streak, has everything going for them. 
You never know. So I'm very curious to see who will be the one that gets Boston in that first round matchup. The only thing we do know is that Locked On NHL will be back tomorrow with power rankings. For David Morissuti, I'm Ross Levitan, and that has been the Eastern Conference Wednesday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.